The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him, and he could not pay. His Lord ordered him to be sold, together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. Imagine for a moment that we treated transgressions and forgiveness the same way that we considered our bank accounts. Say in your Excel spreadsheet or in balancing your checkbook or in however you're managing your finances these days, instead of tracking money spent and earned, you calculated forgiveness given and received. It might look a little something like this, and these are hypothetical examples, by the way. I saw an old friend at the grocery store, and they did not stop to say hello. That's five forgivo bucks for letting that one slide. (laughs) My spouse forgot to take out the trash after he said he would. I say that's a two, but I didn't empty out the dishwasher this morning, so maybe we'll just call that even. Now... I passed a driver who was technically going the speed limit, so I think I owe negative, I think I owe three. My brother didn't get me a birthday gift, but I was thoughtful enough to give him one. I'd say that's, uh, that's 10 for Givo Bucks. There was definitely some attitude in the email that started with just a friendly reminder. Five. My child said a hurtful thing. Three, but
but I did lose my patience, so let's knock that three down to a two. Ooh, a friend called me, and I sent it to voicemail when I could have picked up. We'll call that IO three and a half-ish. <laughs> Ooh, a family member wasn't there for me when I really needed them. Fifteen. So now if I add that all up and I carry the one, good, yes, I forgave about as much as I needed forgiveness. Now if we did this, we would be consumed by the accounting. In an average day, we are wronged or slighted or hurt many times. And in the average day, or at least the average week, We all use the occasional harsh words, forget something we should have remembered, fail to fulfill all our responsibilities as friends and family members. So given all of this, how can we possibly live in loving community? In our gospel text, Peter has a question for Jesus. He asks about forgiveness, specifically Peter asks, how often should we forgive? And I believe Peter thinks himself as very generous and forgiving when he supplies the possible answer of as many as seven times. And then Peter learns that even seven times is not enough. No, not seven, but 77 times. Or as it reads in some translations, 70 times 7, which is to say we should forgive so often that you lose count. Forgive so often that we're never done forgiving. Then Jesus tells a parable about forgiveness, one that uses hyperbole or exaggeration to help prove a point. He begins with a slave that has a debt so large This would take many, many lifetimes to create this amount of debt. 10,000 talents is the narrative equivalent of stating the biggest number you can think of or just making up a number. 10,000 talents is like saying a bajillion buckets of gold. So the slave owes a bajillion buckets of gold, so much debt that it could never realistically be paid. The king asks for that debt, but relents when the slave begs for patience. The master doesn't just grant time to pay the debt, which was the request, but forgives him the debt entirely. None of it is held against him any longer. We would expect the now forgiven slave to show the same mercy that he was shown And yet, when a fellow slave owes him a much smaller debt by comparison, he is unrelenting, insisting that the debtor be thrown into prison. Now, those who witnessed all of this were amazed that the one who had been forgiven was not transformed by that forgiveness. That after receiving so much grace, he could not show even a little grace to another. 
the king, upon hearing how the slave had acted, no longer chooses to be merciful. When we read a parable, though we are learning about the kingdom of God, we need to be cautious about assigning characters or taking it too literally. Because taken too literally, and this parable becomes a very scary threat. Forgive or else. Forgiving under duress or threat of torture doesn't sound like that sincere forgiveness from the heart for me. But this is the parable that Jesus uses to answer Peter's question. Peter, who is trying to quantify forgiveness. Seven times is a reasonable amount of forgiveness to offer, but even a generous limit is still a limit. Jesus calls us into a way of living where we lose count of how many times we've forgiven because we're not keeping track. Now, I'm not saying forgiveness is simple or easy. I know forgiveness is complicated. And often scripture passages about forgiveness, like this one, have been used in harmful ways to guilt people into staying in abusive relationships or continue to suffer harm that's being done against them. Abuse is not God's desire for us. Forgiveness doesn't mean passivity. Forgiveness can include protecting yourself from further harm. Forgiveness shouldn't feel like captivity or a heavy burden to bear. Forgiveness is freedom. This passage does teach us that the kingdom of heaven doesn't calculate wrongdoings like the world does. This is an economy of grace. In the kingdom of heaven, it's not the debt that is abundant. It is the grace that overflows. And if we want to bring this kingdom to earth, practicing the way of God's kingdom, then we have to be a community where we don't keep score or worry about how we're measuring up. Instead, we simply try to outdo one another in love and let God's abundant grace, which we've already received, flow out of us. It's not that we begin owing God one bajillion buckets of gold and God forgives us of our very long list of sins. It's that whether God forgives us half a bajillion, one bajillion, or 100 bajillion, God loves us so much that God doesn't want to keep a ledger at all. That God will always choose forgiveness. God will always choose relationship. God will always choose us. That's how much we are loved. And when we love one another the way that God loves us, the way that we are called to love, we won't want to keep that ledger either. Now, sometimes when we talk about forgiveness, we give the most heinous examples of people throughout history, and we ponder whether that person will receive God's forgiveness or not. And that's fine to wonder about. But practically speaking, 
when it comes to actually practicing forgiveness in our daily lives, the people we will need to forgive the most and the most often are the people we love the most. The people that we're in relationship with, that we want to continue to be in relationship with. It's easy to forgive the jerk at the grocery store or the bad driver or the acquaintance that you grew apart from. It's harder to forgive parents or a spouse or children or your best friend or someone from your church family or any of the people that you count on to be in your corner. Our text from Genesis is a great example of this. In one of the most extreme examples of sibling rivalry, Joseph's brothers left him for dead and sold him. I think we could agree that Joseph would be justified in holding anger towards his brothers for doing this. And yet, amazingly, Joseph chooses to forgive them. They disowned him, and he wants to claim them as brothers again. He sees this unintentional good that happened as a result of their anger, and he's willing to forgive them, to be in relationship. He doesn't want them to be strangers. He wants them to be brothers again. God doesn't want us to be strangers. God wants us to be beloved children. God wants to be in relationship with us. So God forgives and forgives and forgives. And to be in relationship with one another, to love as God loves, we are called to forgive and forgive and forgive. Now, after our hymn of the day, baby Eleanor will be baptized. She will be claimed as God's beloved child and marked with the cross of Christ and sealed with the Holy Spirit. She will be forgiven. And that sounds a little funny to describe a baby as forgiven, because like what debt could she have racked up already? And yet her forgiveness today is forgiveness for her whole life. It is a promise proclaiming that no matter what happens, nothing will separate her from God's abundant love. That God rips up the ledger and wants only to be in relationship with Eleanor for her entire life and beyond. Before she can do anything to earn or choose this love, God chooses her. And that is the same for each one of us. Let today's baptism be a reminder of your own, that God chooses each one of us. God loves each one of us, allowing nothing to separate us from that love, forgiving us from the very beginning, claiming us as God's children, and choosing to be in relationship with us always. May we be transformed by this love. Amen.